A reading from the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Colossian church. I'll actually be beginning with verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil deeds, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. <clears throat> Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving Him thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, Submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. The, the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a woman who had a horribly negative habit of grumbling and complaining. 
And she carried that all the way to the table in her home where every night as her husband placed the meal before her that he had cooked for her and her child, she met it with complaints and grumbling. And then she would ask the blessing. One day, after her usual combination complaint prayer, her little girl asked, Mommy, does God hear us when we pray? Why, of course, she replied. God hears us every time we pray. The little girl paused and thought about this for a moment and asked, Does God hear everything we say the rest of the time? Yes, dear. Every word, the mother replied, encouraged that he had, she had inspired her daughter to be curious about spiritual matters. However, her pride was quickly turned to humility when her little girl said to her, Then which does God believe? That we're thankful for the meal or that the meal is horrible? What if all our words and all of our deeds were done for the honor of Christ, for love of Christ, and a desire that God would be glorified by everything we do with our life? Would the world look differently if the church did that? Would our lives be different? What if everything we did, everything we sought to do, we committed to do with our whole heart and to do it for Jesus? I wonder if homework would be easier. I wonder if lesson plans would be easier to write. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Colossian church, says to them and to every person who's ever put their faith in Christ, set your hearts on things above. Set your hearts on the things above. Set your minds on things above because you have died. Paul wants us to know that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we die to ourselves and are raised to new life. Life that is from and in Christ Jesus. So he tells the Colossians and us to set our hearts on things above. To set our minds on things above. For we died and our life is now hidden in Christ. Our whole life is about Jesus. Christ says that, Paul says that Christ is our life. And as such, the worldly and earthly nature that once characterized our life can be put to death. He tells us to put it death. To let it go, let it go. Do away with that junk. Don't hold on to it anymore. To embrace our new life by letting go of the old self's anger. Let go of anger, he says. Let go of rage. Let go of ill will. Let go of verbal attacks and vulgar language. Don't lie to each other. Because that practice belongs to the old self, what we used to be. But having believed in Christ, we are a new self. We are not the same. The message here is that our faith in Christ unites us to Christ's own death and resurrection. And because Christ died, we through faith have died. And because Christ was raised, we through faith are raised to new life. We are a new self. We are no longer what we were before we came to know Christ. 
For knowing Christ transforms us from people who desire the things of the sinful world into people who desire the holy things from above. Love, joy, and peace. And life. People who desire life. Paul uses the metaphor of changing clothes to describe the coming of this new life. We can take off the old garments. The garments of the old life of sin and death. That's why I wear this. This garment represents new life in Christ. That I have. It represents Christ. It covers me. So that it's not my sinful self that stands before you. Likewise, we're all called to take off those garments of self and sin and put on the garments of new life. Jesus has made this possible. If we were to push the metaphor just a little bit later, we would say that Jesus is the tailor for the universe who is making a new suit of clothes to clothe everything and make it look new. To make it new. Jesus makes those garments for us and offers them to us free of charge. And the only expectation, Paul seems to say, is that we would put them on. That we would stop living for sin and live instead for Christ. As we receive these new garments offered to us by Christ, we're being renewed in the image of our Creator, he says. Renewed for the purpose of reflecting God's glory. For that's what an image is, a reflection. Your purpose in life is to reflect God in this world. That is your purpose. It's what you've been saved for. Christ has called you to reflect God's glory in the world. It's like He took you walking around in clothes full of holes and covered with manure and rolled you into belt so that everybody would notice when you came out so that you could reflect newness and goodness. Paul is encouraging us to accept and put on the new garments that Christ is offering us. And these are what those new garments are. This is what Christ is offering you today. He's offering you a nature of compassion. He's offering you to be filled with compassion for other people. He's offering to fill you with kindness so that you might treat other people as though they belong to God. He's offering to clothe you with humility so that your life can have meaning other than just being better than somebody else. He's offering to clothe you with gentleness so that your life can impact people who know no love, so that people who are constantly abused might find in you a friend and a helper. He's offering to clothe you in patience so that the hardest tasks of your life can be done in Christ's name. These virtues are prepared for us so that we can be more like Christ that we might be able to forgive one another, just as Christ has forgiven each one of us. These are the characteristics of our new life in Christ. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Paul tells us that over all of those, there's one garment that goes on top, and that's love. The love of God. The unconditional love of God that was demonstrated to us when Christ gave Himself on a cross. When Jesus died for us, when we were God's enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says that demonstrates God's love for us. An unconditional love that ransomed us from sin and death. 
That love covers us. That love came to be one of us, to suffer as we suffer, to know our weaknesses, to know our frailty, to know our fears, to undergo our temptations, and to die our death. Jesus' death and His resurrection make new life possible for us so that we can die to our old self and be raised to new life in Him. Through Jesus, God has made it possible for us to die to sin and be raised to righteousness. He's made it possible for us to do things in the name of Christ. He's made it possible for us to live a life that makes a difference. To live a life that has meaning. To live a life that's not just all about us. Because we are clothed. We're called to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. To be a referee between us. To keep us in service and love together. And because we're clothed with God's compassion, with God's kindness, God's humility, and God's gentleness, God's patience, and God's love, with the peace of Christ to rule our hearts, we can do all things in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus as a way of thanking God the Father. That includes how we treat our spouses. Wives, submit, Paul said. And you should know that the word submit is in the middle voice, which means the wife is giving herself to her husband. She's not allowing herself to be abused or demeaned or lorded over. Paul is not commanding the wife to allow herself to be dominated. That's made clear when Paul commands the husband to love their wives. He's calling for us to allow the peace of Christ to be the referee in our relationships as we treat each other with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. The same gifts that Christ offered to us. Husbands, if you're looking for a text like that to give you permission to treat your, life as, your wife as less important than yourself, you're fishing in a mud puddle. That's not Paul's idea. Paul's idea is for you to love her beyond yourself. His idea is that we would all do that for each other. Because Christ has enabled us to do so. He says, children, obey your parents. Not just for their sake, but do it in the name of Christ. Do it for Jesus. He says, parents, don't be jerks to your children. Love them, uphold them, and direct them. Do it in the name of Christ. Do it for Jesus. He even says that people stuck in the horrible state of slavery can do the duties of a slave in the name of Christ. They can do it for Jesus. Don't think that Paul's condoning slavery. That's absurd and completely ignores Paul's letter to Philemon about the slave Onesimus where he says, let him free. What Paul is showing us here is that we can honor Christ even in the worst of circumstances. During the worst of our life, even when we're at our worst, we can seek to honor Christ in some way. We can do whatever we do for Christ, and whatever task we might be forced to do or long to do can be transformed. And even our experience of it will be transformed. It will become something we find worthy to do. 
That includes every vocation, every job description. Picking up trash to brain surgery. Everything we do, we can do it to honor Christ as working for the Lord and not for the affirmation of other people. Including our careers, being at-home parents, our family life, our interactions in our community, our schools, and even in convenience stores. In every circumstance of life, there will be opportunities for us to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts to let those gifts of gentleness all the way to humility fill us so that we long to care for everyone around us. Those things make love, joy, and peace possible in our lives. When we live and do even the menial things in the name of Christ. Whatever we do, let us work at it with our whole heart as working for the Lord and not for the affirmation of others. Let us do whatever we do, thinking of it as an opportunity to honor Christ, to give thanks to God for the new lives that we've been given. Never take an opportunity to serve for granted. Give it your all. Christ has made that possible for us. Teachers, serve your students. Love them. Nurture them. Remember that God has entrusted them to you. Teach them in the name of Christ. Do it with your whole heart. Do it for Jesus. Students, young people, children, look at me. Love your teachers. God has called them to stand before you and teach you. They've given their lives to you. Treat them with respect. Pay attention to them. They deserve that. Listen to them. Complete the work they give you. And if it's a drudgery for you, if nothing else, do it for Christ. See everything they give you as an opportunity to love the Lord. Do it with your whole heart. Do it for Jesus. People who work in our schools, our teachers and students, are dependent on them and God has called them as well to equip, support, and love them. And in a few moments, we will pray that they will do those things with their whole heart. We have a bus driver here. Nelson, the students and their parents are dependent on you. Be a calm presence for them as you transport them to their places of learning. Do it with your whole heart. Do it for Jesus. We can name every occupation here all the way down to all of you who are retired. You can live your retired life in the name of Christ. You can do that as well for Jesus. Nothing we do is out the possibility of being done to honor God. Doing anything for Christ transforms that action to a holy gift to God. Pursuing every task with your whole heart in order to glorify Christ will give meaning to the most menial things that you might have to do. Something that seems meaningless can have meaning when it's done for Christ. For instance, our Lord said that offering a cup of water to a thirsty person has eternal consequences. There aren't many things we can do more simple than that. That offering a cup of water in the name of the Lord is divine work. Whatever you do, 
Do it with your whole heart. Do it in the name of Christ and it will be transformed into the work of heaven. May God grant that we will be people who seek to do all things in the name of Christ with our whole hearts as we seek to glorify Christ through lives lived in compassion, in kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. For our Lord Jesus Christ has made it possible for us to do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.